All right, we're just going to jump right into it, friends. I'm not going to ask uh, the parents here, you know, have you ever lost one of your children on an outing at a sporting event? I'm going to ask, when was the last time you lost one of your kids? Because it is a rite of passage that um, we just lose our kids. It's just, you know, part of the deal. It's part of how God turns our hair gray or causes it to fall out. It's just all part of his beautiful plan for our lives, for our children to run off, to wander off. Some of you, you know, you have you have runners, right? Some of you, like, you turn around and they are gone. Other times, kids, they just wonder. Like, they just sort of, they get distracted. Oh, beautiful flowers over here. And they're, they're, they're just kind of gone. Um, my kids are older, so now they don't uh, run or wander off. They're making their own decisions. Uh, but we do uh, watch my nephews. Nephews, three boys, six four and two. Um, we don't just watch them out. We're, listen, we're not that Christian. We're getting paid to help out. I mean, so like there's no way we're like that good. Like they are helping us out. But my wife is responsible for the lives of these three boys uh, for much of the week. Do pray for her. Um, don't bother praying for them. They won't live another day if you don't pray for her. I mean, she's the one who needs your prayers. So lift her up because this past week, uh, the youngest, Everett, two years old, he had his own rite of passage. He uh, flopped out of his crib. Isn't that a joy when that happens? Parents, whenever they get out of their crib and they can escape. Oh, yeah. So we're all proud at first. We're like, oh, they're, they're learning. And they're like, oh, no, they're learning. They're mobile. He got out of his crib. He got out of the house. He got out of the driveway. He was like down like the road. He was, he was, who knows? He didn't know. He was just like, I am free and I am running. It's a lot of fun, though, right? This is what a good parent does. Well, what, 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 uh, what would a bad parent do? Whatever, who cares, you know, that's their life, you know, meant to be if they run off. No, no, we as parents, when our kids run off, what do we do? We pursue, right? That's our job. We pursue. We don't even think about it. We just do it. It's instinct, right? I mean, our kid runs out of the house, runs down the road. We're going to be like, I should pray about what to do in this situation. Should I think? Should God give me? No, instinct. We, it kicks in and we go after our children. This is one of the themes of Jonah, one of the themes of the Bible. We wonder, we run, we walk, <laughs> and God pursues. We run, and God pursues us. Last week, we talked about one of the other meta-themes here of Jonah, about divine appointments. Here's the assurance that we have as the people of God. If we have a divine appointment, it's gonna happen, even if it takes God swallowing us by a fish and every kid's favorite memory verse from Jonah vomiting us back onto dry land. God will get us to where we need to go when we need to be there. If we have a divine appointment, it is going to happen. But we should be uh, perhaps a bit cautious about wanting divine appointments because they are generally things that we don't want to do. <laughs> in our own flesh, in our own spirit, for our own life plan, my five-year goal, you know, whatever, it does not include some of the things that God wants to do through us. So if you have a divine appointment, God's going to get you there and be prepared. It may not be something you would naturally want to do. But the other assurance we have through Jonah and through so much of Scripture is that we run and God pursues. We run and God comes after us. 
We see this over and over and over again in the scriptures so often, like Adam and Eve in the garden. We disobey and we try to run away and hide, but God comes looking for us. Uh, Like Moses, we might run off to the desert for 40 years, but God comes back and pursues us and calls us back to being a part of his mission. Uh, We run, but God pursues because that is who God is and what God does. God comes after us. And by the way, let's remind ourselves and take joy in sharing this message about our God and about our faith, about really what is our hope, is that man-made religions don't do this. We like to, I like to remind people often of this. Man-made religions are made by men, and, and usually by men. I'm being very intentional about that. Most of the other faith systems are about a guy who goes off and has an ecstatic experience. He gets a word, and he comes back, and he tells everybody what to do. And what he tells everybody to do often involves have sex with me, marry me, let's, you know, I mean, and, and usually it always ends up, sorry to be graphic, Jonah's graphic, and it usually ends up in kill for me. Do my bidding, even wage war, kill for me. What does our God do? Our God comes to us. Our God pursues us. Our God pursues every one of us and says, no, 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 actually, I'll be the one to die for you. I'll be the one to give my life for you so that you may have life then in my resurrection and in my new kingdom. Our hope is so much different and so wonderfully, so miraculously comes from God to all of us, because our God is the God who pursues. Amen, friends? Pursues us. He's been pursuing Jonah. Let's get caught up before we go into some of our new material here in Jonah. Always good to land where we're going to move before we kind of move forward. Uh, Chapter one, God uh, says go, and Jonah says All right, still with me, fantastic. God says go, Jonah says no, and he says no. Wow, does he ever say no. You want me to go there, that way? I'm gonna, I mean, other direction, I mean, by all means necessary. And God says, oh, well, give up on Jonah then. No, God pursues, he goes after, he intervenes, he appoints things in wonderful ways to begin to bring Jonah back. He even uses these sailors, and despite Jonah's best intentions, the sailors' like lives are saved, and they even give their lives to God at the end. And Jonah, of course, ends up in the water and then in the belly of the fish. Chapter 2 then Jonah really finally, um, he gives in, finally. He, you, know, you know, now finally he, he, he's running in the other direction. God pursues him, and, and now it's almost begrudging, like, oh, okay, God, you, you saved my life. Okay, and, and we have this sort of, it's the, kind of the peak for Jonah. Uh, in many ways, he's, he's going to fall again before we finish this series. Um, so he, he prays, and we really focused in on that beautiful promise of chapter 2, center of Jonah, center of the scriptures, salvation comes from us, our works, what we do, our religion, our efforts, our prayer, our pray. I could go on, you get the point. Does it come from us? It comes from the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. If you just remember like anything ever in life, remember we don't work for our salvation. We do our work. We do our worship. We do our prayer. We do our service. We do life from our salvation, from the security of the salvation that comes to us from God 
and it all flows from that. Well, it ended in our memory verse for all of our teenage, uh, teenage boys, the younger boys. I don't know. I just think, I just love it. I, maybe I'm just the youngest and most immature in the room. And the Lord appointed the fish to vomit Jonah on the dry land. You gotta love that one. And so we pick up today with Jonah's back on dry land. He's had a disgusting experience. He's given in to God, and now he's finally going to go on the mission that God wanted for him all along. Let me read this for you. And then we're going to break it down a bit. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Say that with me. A second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Worst sermon ever. <laughs> the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? Say that. Who knows? Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, what was it? A second time. You know, I don't relate to this. I, as a parent, as a father, I tell my kids to do something one time, and it gets done. This has just been one of the remarkable things of my life, how effective I am as a communicator and a parent. I just say, do the dishes, and they're done. I say, clean the room, and it's done. I say, get up and go to school, and I'm lying, because we all know that as parents, we have to tell our kids again, and again, and sometimes again, and again, and again, and again. And, and, and we, do, we do this as parents because we know we've been there. We've not always been perfect. We've needed some prodding. We've needed some nudges. We've maybe needed a kick in the pants. People have come to us and told us again. And that's what God is doing here for Jonah. As a loving father, he's like, Jonah, let's do it again, okay? Let's do, let, let, let's do this again. So God will come to us again and again and again with his instructions, with his word, with opportunities for us to choose to move in obedience for him. And, and really, like, this is the key for what we want as parents. Kids, take note of this. Take note of this. What we want for you from you, what we want is for you to want the things that we desire. 
the things that God desires. All we really do is we want you to want to obey us, right? Am I right, parents, or am I just the only one? The greatest thing is when our kids want to choose obedience, choose to go along with the family, choose to go with what's right, when they want to. And we hope that that will progress as parents, that our children will want to then know the Lord and love the Lord and serve the Lord. Ultimately, what we want for our children is we want them to want to be because kids don't stay kids forever, right? We want our kids to want to be in relationship with us. It's always the end goal, right? It's the dream that, that, that we have this connection, that whenever they're older, they can make choices of their own when they're adults. Maybe they will want to maintain a connection and a relationship with us as a family. God wants for us to want to love Him, to serve Him, to honor Him, to obey Him, and He'll work with us in that process. Jonah here is showing that he, he's kind of like the, the Peter of the Old Testament. Remember we talked about the God who, who pursues. Jesus calls this guy Peter. He says, I'm going to build my, you know, in fact, I'm going to name you, you, you Peter now, and you're going to be the rock, and I'm going to build my church on you. And Peter has a great story in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, but it gets to this point where Jesus says then at one time, you're, you're not going to do exactly what you said you'd do for me, Peter. You're going to deny me, actually. And uh, we'll deal with that when, when it comes up. And it happens, uh, the situation occurs, Peter denies Jesus, Jesus uh, then goes to his death, burial, resurrection, he appears to Peter and recommissions Peter, but we see that Peter, whom Jesus called to be a fisher of men, goes back to being a fisher of fish, and we see that Jesus pursues him. He's going to come back after him. And he, and he actually comes on a special occasion, like makes a special appointment here with Peter. And, and he doesn't just give Peter a second chance. It's very interesting, the conversation. If, if you recall it, Peter's fishing. Jesus calls him to him and he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Second chance. Feed my, Peter, do you love me? See, our God, technically speaking, we should actually say this. Our God isn't the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's got a fourth chance, his fifth chance. He, he's the God who seems to have the patience to give us chances over and over again, seeking us, pursuing us, drawing us into relationship with Him, and all that we may, in time, with maturity, with our growth, choose to want what God wants, to want to obey, to want to pray, to want to worship, to want to serve, to want to go, to want to give. He wants us to to want these things. And we see that God keeps giving these chances over and over again to people because really our God is a God of love. Our God does this because our God is a God of infinite and inexhaustible love. Whenever John wanted to summarize who God is, he could say nothing more, nothing less than to just say God is love. And in fact, that while we were yet sinners out of love, God gave his life for us so that we may live in him. Our God pursues, our God gives us chances, our God is drawing us into relationship with him because our God is a God of love. And this leads to what I want to spend some time unpacking now. All of this love for Jonah, this pursuit of Jonah, God showing himself who he is, is really now culminating in this passage that God loves this city called Nineveh. 
as crazy as that seems, God loves this city of Nineveh because cities are made up of people, <laughs> lots of people. So it makes sense that God's love sometimes even centers on cities. God loves this city of Nineveh and wants to pursue them and draw them back to himself out of his great love. Now, we've already established, right, that is Nineveh a good place? Is it the kind of place you want to raise your kids, hang out, you know, have a family? No, no, no. Like, Nineveh is as bad as it gets. We already talked about in the first message some of the practices of Nineveh. If you actually flip, like, two books ahead now in your Old Testament, don't do it now, we'll preach on it sometime, but there's this guy Nahum, and, and he's gonna say, Nineveh is amazing, at murdering people. <laughs> Nineveh is amazing at, at destroying lives, at telling lies. Nineveh, in fact, it'll boil down to this. We won't get into the gory details again. That was kind of fun doing that before. But he, he calls Nineveh a city of blood. He just calls it, Nineveh is a city of blood. That is how bad it is. There's no denying that this is an evil place. And praise God that God recognizes and this captures God's attention and that God wants to do something about it. But what God wants to do about it is so different than we're seeing from what Jonah wants to do about it. We'll, we'll really unpack this next week, but, you know, but Jonah's like, law, 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 you know, you know, justice, justice, justice. And God's like, grace, grace, grace. We're going to give them a chance. <coughs> Judgment does come to Nineveh. They're going to have a great moment here. We read ahead of, read what the great, the great moment is. They're going to fall again. Awful things are, are going to happen. But for now, for this time, for this place, God wants his love and his message to go out to Nineveh. I want to talk about our city a little bit. Uh, it was just a few years ago that Robin and I really felt the call to come to Colorado. Always loved it here, dreamed about being here, created opportunity, and got here. And really the only kind of pitch I had to my missions board was, well, the Front Range is one of the fastest growing areas of North America. I think there should be more new churches reaching new people in places like that. And they said, okay, and here we are, and look at all that God has done. And we launched Connections to be a new church reaching new people. We are seeking to reach new people because in 2018, 240,000 people moved to Colorado. A quarter of a million people moved to Colorado throughout the state, most of them in the greater Denver area, and many of them in, lo and behold, South Denver, where we are located. What's our, what's, our, what's our dream? What's our mission? What do I have on a big banner out there in the bulletin now? What do we have on each of the tables? Acts 2, 47. And the Lord, I would hope you, let's memorize it. Can we just memorize it right now together? Can you memorize, you, you, know, you know, every word to Bohemian Rhapsody so you can learn one verse from the Bible here. Um, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If we added to our number daily those who are being saved, we would barely make a difference and impact how many people are moving here. Do you know how unaudacious our dream is right now to reach 
one person daily, to add to our number daily, those who are being saved. If we reach one person daily, those who are being saved, we could reach 366 people this year. Woohoo! Leap year! We're getting an extra conversion here at Connections. But we are not even going to make a scratch, barely make a dent. I'm not saying this to be discouraging. I'm trying to say, do you realize how we need to raise the bar, raise the level, raise the prayer, raise the service, raise the giving, raise the intensity of our mission if we are going to impact and reach the quarter of a million people who are moving into our area? Are you excited about this opportunity? Not really, apparently. Are, are you on board with this mission to reach new people in our city? Thank you, because I can't do it alone. We need one another as the body of Christ to come together and to fulfill this mission to just reach another one, to just reach another one, to just reach another one with the good news of the life that we have in Jesus Christ, and by His grace and by the power of the Spirit, we will be a part of fulfilling this mission. Highlands Ranch, our area, Denver doesn't just need a new church reaching new people. Let's be honest, there is no threat, no risk in asking God's blessing to be poured out on all of His churches, and for many new churches to spring up to reach all the people streaming into our community. We just want our part of it. Let's be jealous. Let's have a godly jealousy. Give us a piece of the pie. Give us a part of your kingdom work. Give us the opportunity to be your hands and your feet and to reach a couple more people with the life that we have in Jesus Christ. People are moving here for three reasons by, I just remind myself of this, this isn't like a, an analysis and stats and demographics, this is just me talking with people. People are coming here for freedom, they're coming here for adventure, and they're coming here to find themselves. Let's tell them that the greatest freedom that all of us have is in Jesus Christ, who frees us from sin and guilt and shame. Let's say that the greatest freedom any person has ever experienced is the freedom that we have in the life that we have in Jesus Christ. Most people are moving here. They are fleeing more religious sectors of our nation, more conservative sectors of our nation. They think that freedom is found like Jonah in going in the other direction. Let's show them that freedom is found not in rebellion, but in submission, in obedience in giving our lives to Jesus Christ and serving Him all of our days. Let's show them this freedom. Let's show them that the greatest adventure is going out in mission with Him. Do you want an adventure? Let's go skiing. Let's go biking. You know I love that stuff. I mean, mercy. I, I like pastor part-time sometimes. I get it. I mean, I, mean I, like, like, I love going out and having an adventure. You know what's a great adventure? housing 35 homeless people in a church building. That's an adventure. Sometimes I have to call the cops. That's an adventure. I don't like it when I have to do that, but it happens. It's an adventure. You know when it's an adventure? Bringing them here and starting to shelter them here and getting to know them and loving them and serving them. That's an adventure that you want to be on. Will you do it with me? This is where I, I mean, oh my goodness. It's like I line them up and you just let them go by and you don't even take a swing at them sometimes. I mean, this is the adventure that we have in serving Jesus Christ. And let's show them that they can find their life when they give it to Jesus Christ. 
I love it. I, I love young people. I love talking to young people, and they're always like, yeah, I'm trying to find myself, and I'm like, that's interesting. You've been with yourself the, your whole life. When, when did you get lost? And I'm like, whoa. You know what I mean? I mean I did, but I love, I love this idea of going to find yourself, to discover who you are, your unique calling, what God made you to do. Here, here's the sign of somebody truly seeking and seeking to find themselves and trying to find meaning and life and purpose. Sometimes when you seek, you get an answer. Sometimes when you seek, you find. And let's share what we've found in Jesus Christ. Let's share that in a genuine search for truth, for meaning, for purpose, for calling, for life, that it can be found in Jesus Christ. Let's share that with people seeking to find themselves. So, we know that there's this opportunity that we have now in our area, and let me just end this, then, then we'll move on to the last point and, and, and bring it home. Um, I, I feel like I need to just say this, um, and, and I don't want this to be sort of alarmist, um, but I just had these moments of prayer this week in reading about, you know, Nineveh and it being called a city of blood. Let, can we just be honest that the despair, the brokenness, the hurt, the pain that is alive in our community. I feel like this is kind of a city of blood, but it's kind of like had the blood of many young people taking their own lives. And I don't say that to be graphic or anything, but we know it's real, right? We know it's real, that there is so much hurt and pain and desperation in our community that our young people's suicide rate is nearly twice the national average. Let's hire a youth minister, let's start some programs, and let's reach our young people in our community. Okay? All right, we're going to do it then. Y'all just, yeah, then we're going to do it. There we go. I can move on to the next point, because we're going to do it. Okay, so God loves cities. He loves our city. He wants us to reach the city. So let's drive it home. Like we can kind of plow through this stuff. It gets really good. So Jonah goes, and he preaches then the worst best sermon ever, right? He like preaches like the worst best sermon ever. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. No message for grace, no message for repentance. He's like, and here's what's happening. He's like, all right, God, you want me to obey you? I will do the bare minimum, the absolute least thing required. I will now do. I, here, here, I don't like to beat up on Jonah because, again, we said we all need to see the Jonah in us. This is me as a kid. I did the least minimum. Okay, what grade point average do I need to get to that school? I will get that exact grade point average. You know, like I did like the least thing always necessary to get by, to get approval, to not get into trouble, to not get, like I was, I was, I was so lazy. I was, I was awful. Praise be to God. I turned and repented of my evil ways, but so many of us are trying to just do the minimum for God. Why don't we try to do the maximum? Why don't we try to do the most? Why don't we not pursue complete abandonment to the cause of God? Imagine if we approached marriage this way. You know, these are not our marriage vows. And I vow to do just what it takes to make this work. If I can get away with like an affair, I'm doing it. Is that cool? Three? Give me three passes, and maybe we can make this work. How about I don't lift a finger in the house until, like, you're, like, at your wit's end? Then I'll, like, put away— No, like, like, it would be ridiculous, and we would be ridiculous to think we could enter into relationships of love that way by saying, like, what's the least I can do to make this thing work, right? 
We don't do that. And if we do, it doesn't last too long. And yet we have this idea with God so often. I want to just, just kind of give the least I can, worship the least I can, you know, say a prayer maybe only when I need it. Like, why don't we just go all in and instead of being like Jonah or me as a kid or like many of our lives, let's go all in. Jo- Jonah just goes bare minimum. Okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to preach. You said preach them to repent. You're going to destroy. That's exactly what I'm going to say. 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. But lo and behold, what happens? It works. But very specifically, what works? It says that they believed, they believed Jonah? No, 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 no. They believed God. It's not about us. It's not about our works, our words, our wisdom, how wonderful we are. It's about people believing God. The people of Nineveh, they didn't, it, says, it's like it says nothing else about Jonah. So interesting. They believed God. And people will still believe in God because this is the power of God's word. The power of God's word is the power to change lives. Amen, friends? The power of God's word is to change cities. The power of God's word is to change a life. The power of God's word can change a marriage. The power of God's word can change your attitude. The power of God's word can change your mental health. The power of God's word can change you from somebody without direction to having a calling and a purpose. This is the power of God's word to change, right? Because this is God's word. It is living and active. It is effective stronger than a two-edged sword. It will cut through bone and marrow. It will reveal hearts and minds and lives. I can do a whole nother sermon here if you want, or you can get excited right now. I mean, this is the power of God's Word to change people's lives. All it calls for us to do is to go out and share God's Word. But do a little more than Jonah if you're given the chance. But this is the power of God's Word to touch and to change lives, and it lands, God's word lands with impact. This is the other sermon. We're not going to unpack it all today, but maybe I'll write a post or something on it. They repent, they fast, and they pray. Friends, they repent, they fast, and they pray. God's word comes with power, it comes with impact, it has an effect, and that effect is often to repent, to turn, to turn from something that isn't glorifying God, that is maybe self-destructive, that is maybe destructive to others, to turn from whatever it is and to turn towards God and to begin to pursue Him as He has pursued us. It very often involves fasting, giving up, going without, so that God may quicken, enliven, breathe new and vigorous spiritual life into us. I commend to you during the season of Lent that we're about to enter into a fast. Don't have time for the whole sermon here. Give up something to gain something. Give up something to gain something with God during the next season of your life. Pray about it. God will tell you what to do. He'll walk with you through it, and you will be blessed by it. Don't believe my word. Believe the word of God. Repent, fast, and pray. They offered a prayer. I love their prayer. I love their prayer. Who knows? Remember that part in the story? Who knows? We don't know. We have no idea. Who knows? Maybe God won't treat us like we've treated other people. 
maybe God won't be cruel and violent and vindictive and evil. Maybe God will be gracious and compassionate and will relent. Maybe. Who knows? I love that. (laughs) A lot of my prayers are who knows, to be perfectly honest. Repent, fast, pray, who knows how God may meet them there. What's the point of this? Time check. Give me, give me, band, you guys can come up. That's will force me to drive it home right now. Why has God pursued Jonah? Why is God pursuing Nineveh? Why is God pursuing any of us when it is so apparent that God can appoint a storm, can appoint the casting of lots, can appoint a fish, and we're going to read, can appoint a plant, can appoint a worm, can appoint a wind to come. God can do what God wants to do, right? Why does he bother? Why is he bothering with Jonah? Why is he bothering with all these people of Nineveh? Why does he even care? Have you ever had um, a take-your-kid-to-work day? Ever, ever do that? Anybody, just gonna, anybody you know the take-your-kid-to-work day? Anybody do that? You, you take your, so right when we moved here, actually, uh, my kids were like a, a bit younger, and uh, they could do like the take-your-kid-to-work day. So I had this goofy idea. I just kind of posted on Facebook, hey, if you can't take your kid to work, let, drop them off with me in the morning, and I'll take them to my work. And five kids showed up at the door, so parent, parents were like, you have them for the day. So actually, it was a lot of fun. So I got a couple kids dropped off at my door, and I was like, well, okay, what have I gotten myself into now? Apparently, I have to take these kids to work with me. And so we just quickly pulled together a day. Uh, we went and we w- volunteered with kind of a senior ministry outreach, and they were like putting together care packages for the homeless. So we were like kids working with senior citizens, caring for the homeless. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, I said, let's go get lunch. The kids want to go to Chick-fil-A because that's what kids like to do apparently. So we all went to Chick-fil-A. We went back to the church. We had a little Bible lesson. I've just like put them to work. I was like, literally, I was like mop the floor. So like we got like mops and stuff. Like, like there's always things happening, you know, so we did a bunch of stuff. And you know what? I didn't do anything that I had planned to get done that day. But it was okay, because my kids were with their father, learning in part what it meant to follow the Lord. And these other kids were with me, learning what it means to pursue the Father. And what we have here is the heart of God, our Heavenly Father, saying, I'm just willing to go through all of this headache, Jonah. And let's admit, it was a bit of a headache, right, for God. Let's do all this together so that you might know more of my heart and how much I love you and will pursue you and will run after you no matter how far you run away. And on the other side of this, Jonah, I'm hoping you will know something of my heart for this city of more than 120,000 people who don't know their left hand from their right. And can you have my heart for them and go with me to reach them. That's what God's been doing all along and pursuing Jonah and pursuing Nineveh and pursuing us. I think you get it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being the God who has come after us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and your Savior. Thank you for pursuing us from heaven to earth to the cross, to the grave, and into your glorious resurrection. 
And may we now want to want to be with you, to honor you, to know you, to love you, to serve you, and to go with you in mission. You, the God of mission who's come to us, let us now go with you to those who don't know you, who are lost, who are drowning in blood of despair, of shame, of guilt, of hopelessness, of meaninglessness, of pursuits that are not worth the while. Let us go and show the glorious life of love that we have in you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's spend some time in worship.